after the flesh, ye, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet, yet now henceforth know we him, know who come new, and all things are of God, who hath, hath revealed himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the world unto himself, not input, and hath committed unto us the word. We are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray he you in Christ's stead and be, be reconciled to God, for he hath made him known him to sin for us who, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Go ahead and be seated. All right, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, that's where we're going to be at. I was asked to, to announce as well, there's, um, I know that uh, Jacqueline is going to be taking pictures for, uh, for our, our family board there in the back today, and next week we're going to uh, with, our, with our assembly. We'll come up to the front, take a couple of pictures, and just take a few minutes, should be. And so we'll, we'll be uh, attempting that hopefully uh, next Sunday. Uh, something that uh, for us is we it kind of starts with Thanksgiving and, and it goes through through Christmas and the time where people tend to think about spiritual things more than other times uh, because this is a time that and some different things through through events uh, throughout time was decided that hey we'll we'll take this time and we'll we'll remember the birth of Jesus during during this season and so one of the things and there's there's a lot of things that that people do to remember Jesus incorrectly during this time but what we can do is we can be a light to share uh, who Jesus is all about during this time. And it's a great opportunity to invite people to come to worship and to, um, to come over to your house for coffee or whatever and have uh, great spiritual conversations with them. I know that our holiday season oftentimes starts, the last couple of years it started on a rocky note and it gets better as we go along, is last year when we went to get our Christmas tree, it's a tradition that we have in our family, it, I didn't tie it down, it blew out of the truck and we got home and it wasn't there. And so that started off, and so we thought, well, maybe this year will be better. And on the way home last night, uh, we blew a tire on Jackrabbit right in the middle of all the construction. And so it's, hey, <laughs> but what, you know what happened? We pulled over, and there was a guy that stopped to help us, and I figured out really quickly, he knew a whole lot more about this than I did, and we started talking. We had a spiritual conversation, and that's a, there's, there's quite a bit that went into that, but I thought maybe, who knows, who knows where God is maybe planting seeds here in, in all of this. But that's something I just, hopefully we can find a good message of Jesus during this season, because there's a lot of, lot of things we can share. Um, I, um, local Christian radio station, different people, and I was one of them to do devotionals during this season. So December 15th, there'll be a devotion. That's the first time on the radio. It was quite intimidating for me, but we'll, um, we'll see where it goes. And, and the Romans 9 through 11, one all the way through. One of the big themes that we have here 
is that God is merciful. It doesn't matter whatever, whatever your situation footing when we come to God. And so that's true for us, just like it was for them. No matter what your situation is, no matter where you come from, no matter what your upbringing is, no matter what your race is, whatever it may be, is that you are on the same footing, all of us are on the same footing to come to Christ. So where the rest of the world sees differences among us, whether it be age differences or, or differences in our skin color or, or background or whatever, God sees similarities. God says, all of these people are lost and they need my help, and I freely give that to anyone who comes to me. And I'm excited for people to come to know me, to experience the joy that, is, that I'm offering. And that God is, is greatly merciful. Now we're going to look at God. Notice here, he says, because God is merciful, because all the good things that he's done for all of us, bring him sacrifices. And they would come at different times of the year, and they would bring offerings to God. And one of the, there's different types of offerings. There's sin offerings, there's burnt offerings, there's fellowship offerings, there's offerings that, of, of wine offerings that they would offer on the altar. But one of the things that those offerings had in common is that once you gave it to God, it ceased to be yours, and it was His. And, and you gave it to Him, and that was it. And so when, when Paul says here, because God has been merciful to all of us, what he calls us to be is living sacrifices. If that is a bit intimidating or it seems like uh, that's, that's tough to think about, then, then that's good because that's, that's something that I think would have caused the people of, of Paul's day and the people in Rome to think, oh, wait a minute, living sacrifice? Wait a minute, that means that I give myself completely and totally over to God and I cease to con be controlling my own life anymore. I do not live by what I want to do all the time. I live by what God wants me to do day in, day out. That's a huge life change. And he says, that's a, what that is, is when we decide that we're going to be a living sacrifice, that is our spiritual worship. Hey, I think it was easy for the, for the Israelites of the Old Testament to see, okay, here's the special place. Here are these special rituals that we do. And so when we come, we do these things, we worship God at that point in time, and then when I leave that context, I am back to my normal life. And it creates this almost dualism, is that we are one way when we worship and we're different when we're not. And Paul's point, I think, here is just very simply, is that when we decide to become a living sacrifice for God, is that we never stop being people who are worshiping. We never have a time, my time over here on the side, is we decide to be people that are going to, no matter what we're doing, whether we're working and recreation and relaxation, or we're visiting family, or we're hunting, or we're bike riding, or anything, is we are becoming a, a vessel of worship in, in everything we do uh, with God. Scared, I think, wow, there's times where hopefully I do that, but there's times where I know that deep down, and, and that's it, and I just want to indulge in my own selfishness. Older, as I keep putting God, has become less and less. And boy, um, that's, that's, that's good. And we'll, we'll talk about that more as we go along here. Can you relate, Carrie? Yeah, absolutely. So being a living sacrifice, that's, that's a worship. Uh, the tough thing, I guess, and I've heard it say, said this way, about being a living sacrifice, is a living sacrifice has a tendency to get up and walk off the altar. Can you relate to that? Yeah, that happens sometimes. So we want to take our, our stuff back. Well, let's continue on here. In verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, so 
be transformed. Being a living sacrifice, that didn't show up very well there. But being a living sacrifice is about not conforming to this world. Um, I remember the first time I saw an object that was going to change the world, and I had no idea of that at the time. But I was a child, and we went over to some friend's house, and that they had just got this new thing called a computer. I thought, what on earth is that? And we went over there, and it was, it was, it was an Apple computer. Big. Remember, you've seen those? Yeah, they're in museums now. They're saying that, and you had to write list in there, and then it would do something, and this not user-friendly at all. And you had to take classes just to learn how to use the thing. Wow, that is... Imagine if someone came to you today and said, all right, here's the deal. You're going to take... We got the newest thing right in front of you and say, we're going to learn to, to use this machine because this is the thing that's, that's changing the world. We would look at it and think, wait a minute here. I have this that does how many more times than this is user-friendly. I just, it, it talks to me, it loves me, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and I can go on, why on earth would I ever fight with a machine like that ever again? That's crazy. I'm not going to do that. And that's Paul's point here, is don't conform to the world any longer, but be transformed. Is that we can enslave ourselves to the ways of the world that are passing away, that are old, that are done with, because Christ has come and has redeemed everything, and he's taking us home to be with him. When we decide that we're not going to, to, to transform, but we're going to conform to the world around us, what we're doing is we're going back to that old computer and saying, I'm going to put my faith in this because this is great, this is what works, this is what I'm familiar with and miss all the great things that are around us. And so Paul tells these people, part of being a living sacrifice, it starts with not conforming to the world, but instead being transformed and renewing. Um, there's, a, there's a phrase that I've heard once, a shift. Uh, when, when you go through a, a phase in life where thought about or thought to be true differently, and you have to work backwards trying to, to unlearn a whole lot of things. I think about when uh, there was a, a time during the completely flat and when the science started showing that, well, eh, no, it's probably to think back through, okay, I've got to reorient how I think through life right now because everything changes now, knowing that I live on a, on a sphere instead of, of a big flat surface. And when we think in those terms, we have to, it's hard to, to be able to, to wrestle through some of that. But this is what Paul encourages them to do. He says, part of being a living sacrifice is being transformed and renewing your mind. And when you do that, you understand what God's will is. That's what it says there. I didn't, I should have picked a different background there. But you renew, you understand what God's will is. And for any of us who have been a people of faith for a while, we realize that you run into situations in life that I do not have a thus saith the Lord checklist in scripture on what I'm supposed to do. It's just not there. But the longer I've listened to the message of God, and the longer I, uh, and the more I, I start to understand his, I understand the heart of God. And it isn't about a checklist, it's about following what he wants me to do. But that only comes because my mind is transformed over time, or our minds are transformed over time, is, is we, we have to wrestle through them. We become more aware of what God wants us to be and, and what he wants us to look like. Let's continue on in the verses here. The grace given me, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. And according on there in just a second. But he mentions here, and this is, I just quoted it here. View yourself, and I, I pondered and I thought about that this week, is 
Um, it's, it's important for us not to think of ourselves, and we'll talk about this in our life groups, too, if we think too highly of ourselves, that's a problem. If we think too low of ourselves, that's a problem. But when we think of ourselves as simply a person who is, um, who is saved by grace, who has um, become part of God's kingdom, and we'll, we'll come back to, to how that, that plays into gifts here in just a minute. But viewing ourselves with sober judgment is important. There was years ago um, when I was in college, uh, there was a, uh, a young man that loved to sing, which was great. Um, and he loved to lead songs, which was difficult sometimes. Because this young man uh, did not have a gift of singing that was pleasing to our ears at all. Maybe it sounded great to God. It did not to the rest of us. And the difficult thing, rotation, maybe I'm not taught, if you need somebody, it was whenever there was possibility, I will sign up, I will do this, I will do this all the time, and not going abilities with everybody else. And it just was not, it was not working, and it was not going very well. And it was really tough on him, and it was really tough on everybody else. And that's really the situation is when we, we don't, and we see ourselves as, as being much greater than we are, or much more uh, having abilities that, that we're, when we've not been given an ability by God to pursue something, we find that things just don't seem to ever work out the way we anticipate. And we can't, other people don't respond the way we think they should and that. And it's tough on everybody else. And that, so that's some, something that Paul tells the, the Romans here is you need to look at yourself with sober judgment. Re accurately look at yourself and, and be transparent and, and think through that. Um, that's, a, that's something good for all of us to do. Um, that's, that's important to, to continue to, to ponder that. Let's continue the next verses here. We'll come back here in, in just a second. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And there's a list of, of gifts that are given here. And just to note, there's a, a phrase that I, I came across. I think it's unlikely to be arrogant before. When we see the abilities that we have as merely simply gifts from God, then we view the world differently, and we interact with the people around us very differently. And so, because all of us, in, in God's wisdom, made all of us different, and that we have different things. He has all of the gifts, that, and that you have others still. But God has, has gifted all of us to have abilities to be able to use to bless his people and to bless other people. Boy, I can... Um, there, there's... There's a lot of things that I'm just thankful for that there's many other people in God's kingdom because um, there's things I don't do well. And understanding what those are has been helpful for me as we go along. Look at the list that is given here, though. Uh, use your gifts according to your faith. So as our faith grows over time, we use these gifts more and more. And I think if you've been around a while, you can see that. Is we tend to grow and we mature and we use our spiritual gifts more and more. But the first one that's listened here, listed here is the gift of prophecy. Now, for me, it's easy to look at that and say, okay, that doesn't happen anymore. Boom, let's move on to the next one. Okay? 
I believe that the more I, I read and I reflect on, on some of the, how this was applied during this time, I think we missed the point. Because prophecy simply means one who speaks the words of God. Okay? And it doesn't necessarily mean the Old Testament prophets who's, who breathe the very words of God that we have in Scripture now. But Rome was the center of the Roman world, and, and some would say the entire world at that point in time. As I talked about, if you can get up on a place called the Campidoglio, which is the center of Rome, there's a pin there, the center of ancient Rome, and you go off like a wagon wheel in all these different directions and would go all over the, the Western world. We're in Rome all the time trying to understand what the gods were saying, to try to understand what the political winds were leading and, and all that type of thing. Ancient Rome was full of people who were prophets, people do, or the gods would have people do. And so in this context, I believe what is meant by the gift of prophecy that throughout the, the New Testament, some people like that. But you think about that is it doesn't mean just because someone shares the heart of God does not mean that what's coming out of their mouth is scripture that needs to be placed in the Bible. That's not, that's not at all what we're talking about. But I know that in our loud world, oftentimes the people who speak the loudest are the ones that we tend to listen to. And maybe the ones that we should listen to are the ones that just consist consistently on a regular basis seem to say the things that, that hits the center of the issue, whatever it may be. Maybe that's more what we should think about when Paul is talking about the gift of prophecy. Listen to those people who, who know the heart of God, who have been Christians a while, who demonstrate this wisdom that uh, when you come to the table, that person always has something to say that really seems to hit. And, and we listen to that, and, and we allow those people to, to be able to, to share. Um, we, um, there's uh, another one is serving. Now, there's some people that all of us are called to, to be people who serve, but there's some that just do it well. And there's some that, that can take the toughest tasks, and, and they just smile throughout all of it. Things for people, and you say, boy, thank you for doing that. That was amazing. That's what I do. You know, this is me. This is what I do. A gift that is given. They look out, and they see the needs of others. They see the needs around the church, and they go for it. Stuff. Uh, I know that, that I've tapped to, to try to teach at times, try to pull this card. Well, I'm not have the gift of teaching. Well, maybe, maybe not that, that we see. And remember, this shouldn't be something that causes arrogance or pride. This is just a gift that is given to God to be used for God's people. We see teaching. We see um, encouraging. Uh, there's, there's some, you know those, those types where you come face to face with them, and you know that every time you're going to come face to face with them, they're going to have something really positive to say, something that's really encouraging, and something that's, that just causes you to, th to think, wow, I walk away from this person knowing that it's going to be okay, and life's going to be all right. Now, there's people here among us that are tremendous encouragers, and that's, that's great. One of these gifts that is used to build up the body of Christ. Another one is giving. And a person does not have to have a lot in order to be very generous and have that gift. I've known people at times that had very little in a material way of material stuff. But they showed generosity in all sorts of different ways because they just had a heart that showed that. They showed generosity with their time. They showed generosity in any way they could. And they used it more and more as they, they continued to grow in their faith. Being a living sacrifice means using gifts according to your faith. One of them here is leading. In the world, we tend to think about leader as a person who is the loudest. And I believe that's, that's incorrect. The leaders are the ones who will take the first step, oftentimes something that nobody else wants to do, they're the first step. People follow as 
as the, but they see that something needs to be done here. Somewhat this, someone has to take this first step, and I will quietly do that. And then people never get credit for what they do, and they don't care. It's not about that. It's about doing right and just providing example for other people to follow. Another one that is listed here is mercy. Um, I love people that are merciful. I love it. Um, because they can see the, uh, the warts that we have, the problems that we have, and can see what we can be. And look at us and see through all of our shortcomings and think, no, this person, God's got a great plan for them. And people that are very, uh, have, a, have a strong gift of mercy oftentimes have a strong gift of encouraging. As you look at all of that, is I think about where would we as people be if we didn't have people that were wise among us, that had the right thing to say at the right time, for example? Or where would we be if we didn't have people that were quietly serving, that just did that because that's what they do? Where would we be if we didn't have people that taught and shared the message of God? Where would we be if we did not have those people among us that saw it as they're better and more encouraged than they found them? And they go through life doing that day in, day out. Where would we be if we didn't have people take the first step? Or people, what would we look like if we were about that? So I look at all of these gifts right here. What Paul is saying is that being a living sacrifice, that all of you work together, all of you can come together, that you realize God has gifted you in some form or fashion, and in a lot of ways, to do things that we can people, we can be really different as individuals, but when we exercise these gifts on a regular basis, we find that those differences become much smaller and they start to become not as important as, as they once were because we're able to show mercy with each other, we're able to, to help lead each other, we're able to teach, we're able to serve side by side. And that's what I'm convinced is these Romans, what helped them change the world is they stopped seeing each other as Jew and Gentile and look at all this, these differences, but they started seeing themselves as people of God that have, because of God's mercy, have come together for a purpose. And boy, that's beautiful. So one thing I wanted to, to share with you here before I finish up. And this is a commentary that I, one of the commentaries that I've been reading through is um, preparing these lessons from Romans. And I thought this was, was good, and it made me think, and I kept going back and reading it over and over again this week, so I thought, boy, it's impacted me, I'll just read it for you. Here we go. A number of years ago, I was sitting on a pier that extended into the Sea of Galilee, intent on my reading, a voice shouting, Abba, Abba. As I looked up, a five-year-old boy, face alight with a broad smile and eyes that had pulled alongside the pier, was traversing the length of the dock at full speed. So this kid is running, and he's calling out in Aramaic. Okay. off the pier, utterly of confidence that he would become Abba. That iconic scene typified the surrender and abandonment displayed by living sacrifices. In other words, this little kid could become this living sacrifice, everything and all of his trust to his... When living sacrifice, the fear, the divine gift of joy is received. And so when we decide that I refuse to be a person of fear and to be guided by fear, and I, I choose to be a living sacrifice, which takes courage, this is what happens. Many people hardly believe anymore in the possibility of a truly joy-filled life. They have more or less accepted life as a prison and are grateful for every occasion that creates the illusion of the opposite, a cruise, a suspense novel, or a few hours of heightened state of consciousness, or how deep the snow is, or how wonderful the bike trail is. You know, we can talk about a lot of those for myself. 
While none of these pursuits are sinful or inappropriate in and of themselves, when they are sought as opiates for fear or as a means of avoiding reality, the pursuers become conformed to the world, reflecting its obsession with fleeting pleasure rather than seeking lasting, satisfying, God-granted joy. When I was working at the ski mountain uh, years ago, something I noticed is that when the people that I was around and the people that I was working with, the, the rate of drug abuse among people that work at ski mountains is astronomical. <laughs> Medicating, that's what I discovered, is that because if all I care about and all I'm, I'm really, I find myself completely empty, so I must, that's what was happening. Cohen, who is an, another author, describes joy as ecstasy, a divine joy that does not leave us during times of illness, poverty, even when the world laughs or tortures, robs or maims, fights or kills in the house that death no longer has the final say without, regardless of circumstances. In other words, no matter what happens, how can we still celebrate? Christ is sharing with us. We can find joy. Boy, that is really encouraging and really convicting for me because when I look at that and I, I, I read that through that and I try to think through that description of what Paul is saying here, he talks about how we, as living sacrifices, we conform ourselves not to the world anymore, but to what God wants us to be, and we jump in and use our gifts and whatever God has, has blessed us with in order to do good. That is the key to finding long-standing joy, no matter what the circumstances are in our life. And that's one of the ways that we look most different from the world around us. It's hard to convince people that uh, Jesus is the Son of God, and look at all the wonderful things that he's done from us when we walk through life with completely stressed out about all the stuff that is happening around us. And when we're able to say, all right, God, I choose to be a living sacrifice. Not anymore, completely and totally to you. And I choose to live with joy. I choose to, to find joy that you, regardless of if there is no snow at all and I'm skiing on rocks, I still find joy. See the point there? And I live to me to really live up to is that in spite of the circumstances, in spite of what happens, if I have the courage to wake up every morning and say, God, I am your sacrifice, and he says, notice, offer your body and change your mind and transform your mind. He talks about both body and mind in this, in this passage here. But I choose to do this every day. Then I believe that day in, day out, I'm going to find long. And that's why as you go along in life, you find people that have been Christians a long time. And this is, I'm shooting for this. I'm not there, but boy, I'm on the path. And I want to I see this someday. Is you see this joy that just flows out of them over and over again, day in, day out, because they have really understood that their life is not their own. Their life is simply God's that they have handed over to the person that created them. They have come full circle and, and are now in step with their creator and have found what so many people try to wrestle through to find through, whether it be drugs or alcohol or, or, or whatever, trying to pursue those things, and have missed out so long, they finally found their way back to say, you know, the key to joy is simply understanding that I'm a child of God and being a living sacrifice day in, day out, and there is nothing that I can do in life that is going to, to get me in step with my Creator or give me more joy. Boy, that's something we can shoot for, isn't it? Man, for me, it's, this is, hopefully this is a lesson for you, like it is for me, it's convicting, but it's really encouraging, and I hope that is for you as well. And I pray that today, tomorrow, how I'm giving it to God, and by doing so, I know that I receive joy that I could not describe otherwise.